Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Bolt with your host, Dr. Jeff Tilley. Today's topic, This Day in Science, August 2. Sit back and relax and enjoy today's Daily Bolt. So, a short episode for you today. Uh, another episode dealing with what happened on this day in history in terms of the science world. And there are actually a number of things, a number of events. People were born, people die. Uh, discoveries are made. In this particular case, I have chosen an event that is uh, related to one of my areas uh, of uh, specialization and expertise, that is meteorology, weather, and climate. And we are going all the way back to the year 1695, so the very end of the 17th century. And we're going to Britain. It was not the United Kingdom then. It was just uh, Britain or England. Uh, and we're dealing with an event that actually involves a patent. Yes, patents on inventions have been around for a very long, long time, and certainly well into the 17th century, if not before. Uh, the idea of patents being to protect intellectual property of an inventor should an invention become very popular. Uh, someone else can't steal it from you and make all sorts of money or other benefits uh, from the invention that they didn't really invent and they stole from someone else. So patents existed to and still do to protect inventors. So uh, what we are talking about is a patent on a portable barometer. And this barometer looks like what I'm going to show you in the next slide. Uh, an inventor named Daniel Quare, I believe that is the correct name, the, uh, the correct way to pronounce his name. Um, if it's Quare or if it's Quare, well, uh, sorry, I don't have uh, the pronunciation in front of me, and that's not really the point anyway. The point is that up until this point, virtually all measurements of pressure done with barometers, which were done with uh, potentially mercury barometers, if that had been already invented, uh, by Torricelli, uh, but there could also be a larger uh, type of a barometer with some other fluid in that is responsive to atmospheric pressure. Uh, water was used in barometers for a time. Alcohol was used in barometers for a time. Uh, mercury kind of became the standard for uh, a fluid to put in the barometer. Uh, partly because it was easily available at the time, and in fact actually went by a different name called Quicksilver, uh, it, because it is silver in color and it is a fluid, uh, you could understand where it gets that name from. Uh, but it is actually a hazardous material. If you break a mercury thermometer or a mercury barometer in a laboratory, you have to get a hazardous materials team come in and clean it up with all sorts of personal protective equipment. And even though they didn't necessarily know just how toxic mercury might be if uh, uh, exposed to the environment in such a fashion by breaking a thermometer or a barometer, uh, nonetheless, it was difficult to clean up, and they did know that it did cause some sort of uh, ill effects. And so one issue that uh, you had is that if you only can have barometers in safe conditions in a laboratory, you can't get a whole lot of measurements. And by this point, aneroid barometers, ones that use a little flexible uh, shell around a uh, partly, uh, 
evacuated uh, cylinder, basically a partial vacuum that can respond to pressure. Those weren't invented yet. So you still had to deal with uh, mercury barometers and you didn't want them exposed to the elements necessarily or uh, anywhere where they might risk uh, being broken. One, you lose the, the barometer and you have no measurements and second, you have a big mess to clean up. Uh, so Daniel Quare or Quare, uh, whichever it is, invented this portal barometer. You can see the picture of it is the leftmost of the images on this particular slide. It has legs that can stand on that are fairly stable. Uh, it's basically brass in terms of the feet, so uh, very sturdy metal used uh, for the feet. Uh, you have metal or wood in terms of the column that surrounds the main mercury tube, which is fairly well protected by this outer material, uh, plus a layer uh, that helps to insulate it uh, a little bit uh, from uh, potential breakage. And you have this area up here at the top, which includes an area here where there's a scale. You can read the measurement of the pressure. Uh, probably this was in units of inches of mercury. It could have been in some other unit, but inches of mercury was certainly a popular measuring unit in the late 17th century. And there's this little area here where there is uh, basically uh, a constriction in the tube here at the top so that if there's breakage it automatically cuts off uh, the tube uh, so that you don't really have the spillage of the mercury and you don't have an influence in the measurement and yet there is the ability for air to be allowed into this tube and to uh, use uh, the pressure of the air to reflect the level of the mercury in the tube that's how a mercury barometer works you have the air pressing down on some sort of reservoir of mercury. That force of mercury pushes the mercury in the reservoir from the area where it is surrounding the tube up into the tube and the greater the pressure on the, that reservoir, the more up in the tube the mercury goes and that gives you the measurement of atmospheric pressure. So the main idea here was that this was a barometer you could take anywhere. You could get measurements outside outside the lab, outside a city, outside a house, anywhere where you could set up this apparatus uh, and have it stand. If you really wanted to, I suppose, you could carry it around, though I would imagine you would get tired carrying around uh, a contraption like this that is made out of wood and brass uh, along with glass and mercury. That would tend to get quite heavy, but in theory you could actually carry it from place to place and get a series of measurements that way. Uh, regardless, um, this helped pioneer the development of other uh, barometers and uh, made it possible for measurements to occur in more than just a few isolated spots. Having measurements of pressure in more than just a few isolated spots allowed us to be able to graph pressure on a map and eventually lead uh, much later to the development of theories of cyclones and anticyclones, high and low pressure, uh, pressure systems, uh, high pressure systems being anticyclones, low pressure systems being cyclones, that we now know are associated with all sorts of weather conditions. Cyclones largely with inclement weather and storms, and anticyclones largely with fair weather, sunny skies, 
uh, most of the time. Uh, if we wouldn't have had the ability to measure pressure at various spots uh, in space, within a country, within a city, within a town, we might never have developed our current understanding of pressure systems and how they produce weather. So this is an important invention and an important patent for that particular reason. Hopefully this has uh, enhanced your appreciation of inventions in the 17th century and pressure measurement in general, how it relates to uh, the development of uh, weather theory over history. But if not, hopefully you've at least found it uh, interesting from the historical aspect. That's it for today's Daily Bolt. I'm Dr. Jeff Tilley. Have a good night, good morning, good afternoon, and God bless.